Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 326, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck, Kirk Bowes. Duck, always a blessing to have Longhorn Royalty in our midst. Keith Moreland, our old friend, my, the man who taught me how not to play blackjack, and we still won. <laughs> and we still won. He joins us. The Longhorns off to a three and one start. And, you know, Keith and Grace Wendell are keeping us posted on Longhorn Network. They are so fun to watch. Horns play Cal Poly, three game set this weekend. Keith, what's up, man? Not a man. It's, it's great to sit and visit with y'all. And yeah, it's that time of the year, as I usually say in the opening broadcast uh, each year. It's for us that are love baseball. It, it's Christmas in February, and this year it happened to be on Valentine's to go with it. So uh, you know, it's it, it's fun to to be underway. I, it, it's interesting. Kirk can go back to this. It's interesting. It's the first time, and I can remember uh, a, a Longhorn team opening up with a, a, an eight game homestand start season going back. It, uh, because Augie always felt like now Cliff played every game at home, but <laughs> Augie liked to, to get out on the road and and uh, and see things and do things. That was just uh, Coach Garrido's style. So the first trip uh, will be next weekend. So it's it's interesting. Uh, San Diego team that they played in the opener was a pretty good test, folks. They're gonna they're gonna play real well in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, really agree. well schooled ball club. Good defensively too. Boy, they made some. Great plays, the second baseman, the shortstop, the left fielder. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they, that was a good I mean, team. They Very did solid. the little things. They, 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 when they got guys on, they bunted them in scoring position. They executed. They made plays when they they needed to. They had leads in all three games. That's right. Uh, in, in the ball game, where they might be a little short is once you get their their starters. Now their three guys on the mound to start were all competitive college baseball pitchers, but. They, where they struggled was when they had to go to their bullpen. And, and like you said, uh, you know, they did have five D1 transfer pitchers, two of them from Arizona, who started against yeah. Texas. And that transfer portal's really changed baseball, too, just like everything else, hasn't it? Well, I don't even know where to start. Gosh, now, you're, now you're getting <laughs> to it. You guys cover all the sports. I'm, I'm a college sports and athletics fan. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm all that happy about what's going on in Portal, but I'm an old traditionalist, so uh, I understand if, if a young man's not getting the opportunity to perform the way he thinks and he feels like he's being held back, that one-time transfer I could see. But, boy, just putting your name in each year and going whenever you want to go, when you want to go, uh, I don't know that free agency at college sports is ready for free agency. i got to ask you, um, it feels like 
it feels like pro sports now. And you play pro sports at a high level. I mean, you you have a World Series ring. You you called Greg Maddox, and I think you even called Sparky Lyle. You mentioned that on the you mentioned that on the broadcast the other night. Um, when when does it all just fall apart? Are we about to have an Armageddon uh, with all these athletes uh, signing with the highest bidder? Well, let's let's start with uh, I think that we are going rapidly toward maybe 30 universities in the country that can afford to play at that upper level. And I think that they're going to have other universities that are not going to be able to afford. Obviously, if you're a Longhorn fan, you're going to be in that 30. I mean, they, nobody else can afford more than they can afford. If they need it, they got it. Uh, but you, you just look at the tradition of, of what's going on. I, I just don't know how a – a, a perennial program like Cal State Fullerton, I, I, again, I go back to Coach Garrido, how in the world is that program ever going to do what Augie did with a $6,500 budget making his first trip to Omaha with that kind of budget? Because he could go out, he did things on his own, spent money out of his own pocket and go about that. That's gone. There, there's it's none of that anymore. You have to recruit an athlete once they get on campus every single day they're on campus playing for you. Just think about that. You have to recruit them every single day. They can leave. Uh, if you don't recruit them, they are leaving. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that didn't even then, touch on NIL. Oh, uh, well, we haven't even got to that part. And then <laughs> how, how does how does the university, the marriage between the NIL program and the university and the NCA, how does that all match? It doesn't match. There are forks, but they're all forks going in the other directions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just think, uh, I mean, NIL, I don't know. It's interesting because we all hear about the stars, especially in football and some in men's basketball. I don't know how many, how many players does David, or is he allowed? Does he have 30 on scholarship or I don't know how many the number is now. I know exactly the terms. He's got to have a minimum of 27 on scholarship and they all have to have getting at least a quarter. So okay. and he can have 35 tops in his program. So that means you've got eight non-scholarship players that can be on your squad. And I wonder how many of those get NIL at all, Keith? I don't know, but I know that when they first looked at this and I first got involved trying to, to do some, actually some fundraising, I am out of it now, backed away because I didn't like the, everything that's going in it. When you start looking at the, this position is going to get this much and this position is going to get this much, right. I can see helping everybody and everybody get the same total then I'm going, okay, if, if if fans want to give money and they want to be in an NIL program and you want to help a, a young man uh, have some cash in his pocket, I am all for that, but it ought to all be the same. You shouldn't be paying your shortstop 50000 your starting pitcher 50000 and the guy that backs him up that may not play over wants to get nothing, that's mm -hmm. not fair. Life's not fair. So I think well, it's not, Ted. He's not, and I, I, I really, I really think the one thing that Kirk and I talk about a lot, Zonk, is it's great right now. Well, what's going to happen in five or six years when those tax evasion, evasion charges start coming? You really think these kids are all paying taxes, man? Driving around in Lambos and and Teslas. I hope they are, but I mean that's <laughs> a probably somebody helping you. them. 
I mean, they, they, yeah, they've got to have some some kind of help there. If, if, if it, that's now, to me, there's one of the things the university can do. You have to have somebody. They used to have compliance officers. Well, I don't know that that's important anymore. I mean, but what <laughs> right. compliance is there? Uh, Everything's so, legal. You're, you're going to have to develop a, a a way to help these young young men and young women that, that maybe have never even heard about. So, what do you mean I'm getting this 1099 form? What do I do with this? And if yeah. they haven't withheld anything, then all of a sudden April 15th comes. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. the the lessons that we learned by going out and getting you know our first job and everything, they'd have to learn that anyway. Yes, but when they go out and get their first job, it's it's not like uh, money for nothing and chicks for free, as as they <laughs> used to say, but dire straits on. There yeah. you go. They, they need to oh, they need to have Keith. a class for that, Keith. At well, I UT. hope they do. Just you I know, hope they do. finances and everything. Well, I've written well, about it. I've I've written about it, guys, and 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 Del Conte has that. He's got people coming in, um, former athletes and 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 professionals, um, finance professionals, uh, warning about the dangers of that. So hopefully, these kids are taking it seriously and taking advantage of the resource, because I don't worry about the B. John Robinsons of the world because we knew that he was NFL bound and he was going to be a millionaire anyway. I, I, I worry about the guys that don't make it, that, that aren't paying their taxes, and then they're going to look up, and hopefully they took school seriously. But uh, there are guys out there that don't take it seriously, and they're going to end up with no degree and a tax bill. That's a nightmare. Well, the numbers wonder- are not as big, but I want you all to think yeah. about this. I said you and I have had this conversation for sure. When I signed a professional baseball contract, one out of every 606 that signed a contract played one day in the big leagues. Let that wow. absorb. Wow. Now, I, don't, I don't think that number is as large because there's not as many people signing. I mean, they don't have two or three low eight rookie balls and a right, couple no of 40 rounds. I mean, the, the, the minor leagues is so shrunk. And, and there's so few people playing point. Once they signed you now, you got a, a much better chance of getting there than you did 10 years ago, especially 15, 20, 25 years ago. I mean, those guys, you know, you were running on and playing against guys that they would just sign a guy to say, let because somebody else might sign him. And they'd have him for a couple of years and didn't make it and out the door. Well, today it's a little different, but uh, these guys better get education because the chances of, of doing playing – for money other than playing in college because they're playing for money there too now mm-hmm. let's just be honest about it and uh go from there yeah what what would a keith moreland be getting in nil money uh in 2024 keith i i i i don't know i know bob and barbara moreland would appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness didn't you, transfer, didn't you to transfer to usc or somewhere right? not a chance He's you know, a tech. He's I, I, a Texas. Kirk, you you were here at that time. I, I yeah. my hair was the same color as the uniform. I wasn't changing. <laughs> that dude's from Dallas. He wasn't going nowhere. He was a joy to cover. I'm telling the greatest Longhorn ever. Let me let me ask you this, uh, Keith. Um, in the off season, Kirk and I were at a uh, Derek Johnson's fundraiser, Defend the Dream fundraiser, and we ran up on uh, LeBaron Johnson Jr. And Tanner Witt, and those guys are massive. They are, those are some good looking boys right there, big old boys. And they were excited. And Tanner said he was throwing and he was feeling good. 
And then Duck, remember this two week, three weeks ago, we ran up on Tanner at Belmont mm-hmm. and talked to him and about ping, he was talking about ping pong and, and how good he's feeling. And he didn't get off to a great start. Um, I know it's early. Uh, how important is it to play the long game with him? Because it's a long season. And man, if he and if he's not Tanner with, they may have some problems. Well, let's start with uh, I'll start with. I'm going to answer first. LBJ, these two are physical guys. That's one thing David Pierce has recruited is physical players. You have to in today's world. Where they're going next year, you better be physical. Let's start with that against the SEC. No. Uh, but Tanner Woods is an interesting question. Such a pleasure to be around. Always got a smile on his face. Hardworking young man. He didn't look right, guys, on Sunday. It just from the very first pitch. Now, he got through the first – but he didn't look anywhere close to himself. And it wasn't necessarily, yes, he didn't have velocity, but he didn't, his demeanor on the mound, it's something was not right. And the second he came out, and what happens to you when you know you don't have your great stuff, you get a little picky and you start picking at the corners and you looked up and he was 2-0 and on everybody. And he mm-hmm. didn't want to, you know, he's one of those guys that 2-0, and I'll drop a breaking ball in there. Well, he couldn't have a feel for his breaking ball, so he couldn't do that. And we're hoping – that this uh, is something, you know, he was tender. And I don't. I think he would have been able to work through that if everything was right. I don't have any new information on that. I don't know what the scenario is, but I'm rooting for him because he's one of those guys you just can't help but love being around him for three years. He, and the way he went about his business after being injured and what an integral part he was going to be last year, uh, it, it, it's and his parents did a really good job. Good young man. Yeah, he's super. I mean, we go back to that game against Tennessee at Omaha, and you know, he shut down the Volunteers and as good a stuff as anybody. I mean, he's so impressive. And yeah, and I don't know, like you say, if he just had to pitch through it and going to have some struggles, or does he need more time off? Everybody's different coming off of that Tommy John, you know. Yeah, it, it does a little different. I, I I would suspect that that they will probably, you know, obviously today's an off day for him. They take Mondays off. I, I would think you will see him uh, if he is is sound and improved. I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't see him for an inning uh, if he's capable. If, mm-hmm. if he's hurting, they'll push him, and that you won't see him. Uh, but don't know that that's the case. Uh, but boy, he's going to be an integral part of this team if, if he can come back and mm-hmm. be. 90% of what he was, he's going to be a huge addition to this club. And there's another one that's in the same boat, guys, that you, Greg and I both really like. His name is Luke Harrison. And he made his first start in a 1,000 days last night. Wow. In the, in the game. Now, he wow. Was, you wow. can tell you know, because he's had Tommy John. And in 22, he was one of the best lefties out of the bullpen. He was that guy that could get you a lot uh, out of the bullpen. But we'll see how – it comes about for him. He was not as sharp last night as he was his first time, first inning out. But that, again, getting that ball and you know, 45 minutes before the game, you're going to start. It's a lot different animal than the phone rings and say, get up and start mm-hmm. throwing. Swindell says it to me all the time. I say, Zeke, he said, he, he said, you know, when you're starting all day long, you get prepared and whatever. And he says, there's nerves there. He said, I yeah. never got nervous once in my life as a reliever because you don't know you're going to pitch. You're just down there with your cleats on. Exactly. But you don't you figure, like we 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 talked about Tanner Witt and he and uh, Charlie Hurley, you know, following LBJ in the rotation. They got to get one of those, don't they? 
that there's going to be right and, and highly productive if they're really going to be the kind of team that we expect them to be? You know, Kirk, uh, I had a conversation with, with Coach Pearson, and he is absolutely right. He told me a month ago, he says, there is a lot of different arms. Don't know who those guys are going to be, but over the course of these first four games, I've mm -hmm. seen arms come out of the bullpen that you go, okay. I mean, it's not like they're coming out and they're looking. They've got their power, power arms, and that's – that's what you got to have. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to be playing the elite level, you better have guys coming out in the fourth inning. If your starter's not well, it's, it's a power arm. So I like Cody Howard. I think that he's going to be in the mix to be one of the starters. Uh, he's got a really good mound presence on him. He doesn't get exactly. flustered at all. Came with the bases loaded and a run already in and nobody out and found a way to get out of that just giving up one. Yeah. And that set the tone on Sunday – and then he gets the win. He pitches uh, for four innings. They're going to stretch him out. I like Luke Harrison. And then on the back end, I think they have who they're really counting on pretty much already. I think you'll see Fontenot, Bain, and Shaw be those guys to get those last, you know, seven, eight, nine outs of a ball game. He's got Who's some the is, there, is there a closer or is it a closer by committee? I think it'll be a closer by committee early. Uh, I think both Fontenot and Bain have – I mean, they're going to come in 94, 95 with a hard breaking ball. And mm. then you got Shaw, who if, if Shaw had five more miles an hour, you think he's Chris Sale. I mean, yeah, you could close right. your eyes and look at him, and it look, he looks like Chris Sale when he releases the ball. It's it's an unusual arm slot. He's 6'7". Ball comes mm -hmm. out, you know, missing him at the end of the year last year uh, really hurt them, especially when he had lead in Stanford. That really hurt Absolutely. them, not having him. He, He's going to be an integral part of their uh, of this this baseball team. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. Top of the order, Thomas and Powell, pretty good first two hitters in any lineup, weren't they? Well, you asked me a couple of years ago about Ivan at the beginning of the year, and I told you it might be the best right-hand hitter that's ever played here. And, and we were like, you, "Are you nuts? You're Keith Moreland, and you wouldn't, <laughs> and you insisted that he was going to be great." Well, I, I, I told you this guy can hit. I mean, not only could he hit, he he was exceptional power, not good power, not even light tower power, because it was better than light tower. Right. Uh, but Jared Thomas is is, is, is one of those guys, and, and Kirk's seen a lot of Texas baseball like I have. I, I don't compare, and I don't do it on the air, and I, I don't do it a lot, but I'm just saying, I think this guy's got a long, long baseball career ahead of him. He stays inside the ball so well. He's going to be an outfielder professionally. He doesn't have the pop to play one of the corners uh, right, it, you know, I mean, to play first, I mean, he's an exceptional first baseman, but probably at the next level, he doesn't hit, you know, he's probably 15, 18 home run guy. It may not be that 35, 40 home run guy, but this guy's mm -hmm. going to hit and he's going to hit at every level. He can really run. He has tremendous plate recognition. Maybe as good as we've seen, you just don't see him going outside the zone. Now he'll set a pitcher up where he'll take, 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 maybe that third time up, it's the same pitcher. And the guy says, well, this guy's just taking my first pitch. And, and they lay one in there. He'll turn and he'll smack it. But uh, uses the whole field. You have to defend him from the right field corner to the left field corner, and he can run. And I expect he's going to hit close to 400 for the year. I, that's my prediction. Mm, yeah. He's good. He and then really, on the other side, Peyton deep. Powell, it, it, when he came out of Robinson and came to campus, I'll give David – Coach Pierce, uh, great credit for that recognition. Couldn't figure out exactly where he fit in and what happened so early. He didn't get a lot of opportunities. 
and then, you know, kept working, kept working, finally made himself a good defensive player. And then I, those two at the top of this order against everybody are going to be really tough. And they hit – and they, here's the other part. A lot of them you see fall off when left-handed pitchers come in. Neither one of them fall off. They were no, they're they good don't. against left or right. Kind of remind me of Brian Cesaric a little bit. That bats always finds the ball. It seems like, and and I don't yeah. know if they you know, they can drive in runs too. I don't know if you'd rather have somebody else like a, a D Kennedy or somebody leading off and have Thomas second and third. I don't know. I wouldn't. I would get as many at bats in a ball game for JT as I could get. And I understand yeah. exactly why Dave is at the top. And and Peyton is so good behind him. I like the combination. Again, left to right doesn't bother him. Now, those next three, three, four, five, who's going to be that person to step up? We know Porter Brown. He's off to a slow start, but Porter Brown's mm -hmm. going to hit. I mean, he's right. a veteran mm -hmm. guy. He's hit at every level. So, and and I and Jalen Flores has got this knack that when he squares it, it's got a different sound, Kirk. I mean, it's just yeah. a different sound. So, uh, can he be consistent enough? To you know, be a guy that can. I don't think you look at him and worry about hitting three hundred. Just let him yeah. go do his thing because I think he's a ten or fifteen home run guy. And in a college, that's a bunch of home runs. You know, yeah. Longhorn fans get, or you know look back and look at Melinda's. That's an that's absurd. Anything over at twenty and up is just <laughs> absurd. But uh, I, I think that uh, he's got ten to fifteen home run power. You know, you're that you're that unique person that can talk about catcher because you played it as well as third um Schussler or Galvan uh long term who do you think wins that job you know I don't know yet I I, I think that that Ryland last night had a, a brilliant night offensively and they're, they're trying to get him better offensively and more consistent uh and 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 Kimball is the, one of those hard-working kids it just his want to is so much it, it, and the pitchers love throwing to him. So I would think at this moment, one of them is going to have to win the job, but I think you're going to see what you have. We've played four ball games. Mm -hmm. Both of them have started two games apiece. And I think mm -hmm. you'll see that over the weekend. I think you're going to see that until somebody establishes uh, that they're going to take control of, of, of that position. Uh, you know, they, they they don't have the responsibilities that some of the catchers in old day have called on the game because that's done – uh, now electronically with wristbands and radios and all the right. stuff. So all they got to do is just, you know, handle the umpire, you know, get that pitcher in that zone and bring them to you. I think that's a real key to how how far this team goes. I, I don't want to put pressure on them. If, if the kids turn this on and watch it, I'm not putting any pressure. But I think they're that, not watching, Keith. They're not watching. I guarantee you. Okay, they're that's not watching. a key position. <laughs> that's said. It's interesting you brought that up because I think that's the biggest key position on this club to see where it can go. And then you've got two freshmen, really two freshmen and a sophomore outfield that you're going to see how that works together and, and works out. Because Gasparino, is it, obviously you're not considered one of the top 75 players coming out of high school and not be a good player. And it's going to take him a while to be real consistent. But where you see things, last night he turned on a ball inside because he's 6'7". And I play with a lot of guys that are that big, and it's hard for them to get to the inside pitch and ripped it down the line and kept it fair. And y'all both heard me say that thing. That is hard to do. That means you got your hands inside it and the barrel to it and didn't go around it and get the barrel to it. Uh, so I think he's something special. One of the big keys may be Max Ballou. Uh, he is him. an exceptional outfielder. He's got a, the best arm. I thought D.C. 
if there was a gold glove in college, D.C. won six of them last year, not just one. He was mm. brilliant. But Malou can play right field, and he's got a tremendous arm, and he's got some big-time power. Can he hit? Can he find that zone enough to hit? And then Tommy Farmer, uh, you know, he you could put him in center field and and forget about it. He's going to make every play in all directions, can really go get it and run. He has struggled a little bit early here offensively. Yeah, Will's scuffling a little bit too, but uh, Max is one of those physical players that you mentioned that, that David likes and you're going to need in the SEC, right? You're right, and and he can go – the monster's nothing. I mean, hit one over the monster when I played in this ballpark was a was a feat. It just didn't happen very often. Since Ivan's been here, they go over it regularly. <laughs> they beat up on the Christians. They beat up on the Christians Tuesday night. I wasn't happy about that, I'm – I said a little prayer. I mean, well, beating I, up I old Jesus you, 20 to you three. Guys are, you guys are fans of, of college sports, and I know you are. Uh, Lance has got a lot better club. I mean, he had he had four games over the weekend. He, he knew he was thin. He, you know, he told uh, Zeke and I before the game, hey, but you'll see, and they are a lot better. The two uh, LaRue brothers, their dad played mm-hmm. in the big leagues. They know how to play. Uh, I, I've been broadcasting long enough that Josh Bard – Son was playing in last night's game, and I'm sitting there looking at that, going, "I've been doing this for a long time. Now I've got <laughs> players that I call games for, and now there's sons I'm calling games for." <laughs> and Kato O'Hara, position player, pitches. You never pitched in a major league game, did you? I know you played nearly every did, other position. I, I did not. Uh, I was in a few games where there were some everyday players pitch, but I didn't want any part of it. Now y'all can y'all, you can get somebody else. I'll sit out here and shag everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kate, Kate has this has not been unusual he's been throwing all time he's been in the a pitching program so don't make it sound like he was just a guy that well they're going to go down and throw him in the game he's been right. pitching pitching inter squads he's been in the program and I tell you what it looked pretty good 90-91 with a good bender <laughs> he, hmm. he looked really good last night well but hey before and, we before oh, go ahead one more Kurt. go ahead no, I was just going to ask you a little bit about the schedule. I don't know what Cal Poly has, and then they got LSU and Vanderbilt down in the Houston tournament. Uh, what, what do they hope to find these these next, uh, you know, four, five, six games, Keith? Well, I, I, I let's start with Cal Poly will be the same type of team. Uh, David coming from where he came from to get here, being at the mid-major programs, Black Sam, Tulane, seeing what they were going on. He likes to play those, and he knows those coaches. The head coach at Cal Poly has been there 24 years. He has his program the way he wants it. They will be very uh, – it's West Coast ball. They'll be very consistent. They'll see pitches. They'll run a little bit. They'll bunt. They will defensively not give you anything. So they are a team that are not going to come in and beat themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what – you know, you, you want, that's what you want on your schedule is people like that. Then starting really next Tuesday – the next five are legit games. I mean, last hey, night, beat Florida. Uh, Texas State took TCU to the very limit. Uh, TCU did win the game, but St. John's beats Florida. Uh, right. They only got to play one game because of rain down there. And so I don't know who St. John's has got this weekend, but people around they'll tell me that, that they're they're pretty good. And then you, after St. John's, you, you go down and you get LSU, Texas State, and Vandy. Well, Welcome to Please the SEC. Me. We're going to see that next year. And then, oh, by the way, on Tuesday, you got AM. So it, it's going to turn much tougher quickly. And then after you play AM, you come back home and you got Washington, and then you head to Tech. Or you may go to Tech and then head to Washington. 
So mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious. Those are unflopped or where they are. So it's going to turn real quickly. Well, before we get you out of here, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you and Greg Swindell for such a great run on the Longhorn Network. This is your last season on the LHN, and you guys were must-see TV. Um, I mean, if you're in the car listening to Craig Way, that's great. But if you're at home and you're not going out to the game and you don't have it on, on, on LHN, you're missing out. You guys have done such a tremendous job, and I'm not saying it because you're my boys. Um, I call it like I see it. Um, what's uh, CDC said that Longhorn Networks are going to be absorbed into the SEC network. What does that mean for you guys? Will you still be calling games next year? I'm interested to know. Uh, you know, at this point, none of us know. Uh, we are on one year, a one-year deal that uh, expires at the end of the year. Uh, we know that the last broadcast that, that, that's ever going to take place is going to be the Saturday game uh, in baseball uh, on the 19th or 20th of May live that I know at least at this point. That's what's on the schedule. There may be something coming behind that, uh, but I don't know. I know June 1st uh, that, that it, it officially – and when you mean absorbed, uh, if you look at the SEC, a lot of the, – the schools have their own inside ESPN Plus broadcast. Uh, so if, if I'm sure the university of Texas is going to have that now, I, as far as I know, Greg and I, I have not been contacted about being involved in it. And, you know, I would love to listen if, if they're into that, but we love what we do. It's been such a fun time. Uh, it, it, we said when, when I got the job again, I, I didn't come into this world thinking I'd be a play by play guy. Now I've been a pretty good analyst for a long time, but I felt like in my mind anyway. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But us going together, we we sit and we we just almost like we're having an adult beverage and sitting across from each <laughs> other and just we're watching the game, talking about the game. I don't do a lot of talking about this guy's coming up and whatever. Probably don't give you as much information as, as another play by play guy. But we're we don't need it. We just want we want to hear y'all talk ball. That's all we care about. And that's what and that's what we do. I mean, we we just sit down and uh, there might be something that comes up that that uh, you know Greg's got a an idea on it seen before or I haven't seen before. Uh, I mean, you know, last night, a perfect example, uh, ground ball, double play ball, and the ball was thrown and hit the screen. Mm-hmm. The guy made the turn and go around to the side, and everybody in the press box was wondering, well, they called it a double play. It's not a double play. It's a, it's a, it's a force out at second base, a bad throw at first because you can't assume the double play, and you tag the runner. So mm-hmm. you score that, you're scoring it, is you know six four and then three unassisted because the first baseman went and got the ball and tagged the runner and went through this so that's it's there's two outs recorded on the play but it's not a double play because once yeah. he touched first base that first play is over he's, and so those safe. are little bitty things to try to teach somebody out there and we we that's I don't want to get too basic but you got to be basic because somebody might have turned in for the first time and that's the first time they really know anything about baseball yeah but 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 you two know the history you lived it you've been part of it to the all-time greatest longhorns ever and i enjoyed saturday when you had richard wortham you know in the booth you know ncaa's first 50 game winner and you know i don't know what if people were listening going did he say 15 or 50 because how lucky was i i I could sit in the booth with the two i maybe the two best left-handers in college baseball history but for sure the two best left left left-handers in longhorn history in between them 
I, I knew it. I didn't get it on the air uh, until right at the very end. And a lot of people didn't hear it. Greg has 511 strikeouts in three seasons. <laughs> Richard had 485 in four seasons. Between them, they have a thousand strikeouts. Two <laughs> That's disgusting. It's disgusting. That is That's crazy. Disgusting. That is disgusting. disgusting. Uh, and speaking of that, before we let you go, I want to know: Was there a, a teammate you you had trouble hitting off of? Because you hit everybody. I don't know in an inner squad if you didn't want to face Gideon or Wortham or anybody. Got, it's a name you'll know, and it got me. It got my chance to uh, Cliff to notice me and get me a chance as a freshman because I was coming over for football in a bowl game. Ron Rosnowski got me out every time. That's a name from the past. <laughs> they, a lot of fans may not remember Ron. He's not with us anymore. But uh, big right Ron, Big right-hander, went smowing everybody down. I got a chance to get in the game. He was still in the game. And the first pitch he hit me, I'm just saying, I'm just swinging as hard as I can. And I hit it over the pillbox onto out of the stadium at Oak Clark Field. And the next day I was in the inter-squad game, which I hadn't been starting in any, any of the games. So, you know, you have 18 guys that are playing. You're not one of the 18. I figured, well, I'm going to spring football. And <laughs> I got that opportunity. And the next day I was in it, and the rest of it's pretty much – history from that point i've started the first game of the season but the rest of the time that ron was in college i don't think i put it in play so he <laughs> was the guy that it, i mean it just happened to be that he made one bad pitch and i connected and and after that he wore me out wow that's awesome that's, that's awesome cool. well man it's been fun man i uh, hope we can do it again before the season and as lhn starts to close its doors but we're gonna we're gonna write and we're gonna insist you're on espn plus or sec network because you and you and the zeke both have to be on ut baseball can, they can't break they can't break up the blues brothers i cannot they can't <laughs> the break blues up the blues brothers they're great they're great thanks guys yeah. thanks for having me thanks all Steve. right brother we appreciate, appreciate you right. see you at the yard see you at the yard on second thought Duck, it's always great to visit with our old friend Keith Moreland. Man, just the some of the most fun times I had as the YouTube baseball beat writer and during the I like to call it the golden era. When they <laughs> when they want when they wanted in 05, I was there oh oh three, four, five, and six. Uh just taught me a lot about the game and just just he just loves loves talking ball and uh, him and Swindell are just two of the best, and I just hope they find a way to keep them calling games together. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Uh, they're such a resource. And, uh, you know, that was my first year on the beat, 1975, when uh, they won the national championship. Gus won his first, and uh, I think he hit like 410 or something that year. So, But like I, I wrote in nine things this week, he and Greg Swindell are two of my uh, top five uh, all-time greatest UT baseball players to cover in my 50 years, and uh, they'd be such an asset. I gotta believe they'll they'll continue to be on ESPN Plus, SEC Network, UT Channel, whatever. They they need to be on there. Yeah, they do. And uh, let's hit on something uh, big news coming out of the football program. Steve Sarkeesian, big contract ex- contract extension. Ten point three mil a year, a hundred thousand dollar raises each year. Um, 
$300,000 one-time payment just because we're Texas and we can do that. Private jet access, new cars. And you wrote um, so very eloquently, I might add, <laughs> that it was a great deal and Stark deserves that money. And then, of course, I came back and why do I always have to be the bad cop? That's what I'm asking. Oh, right. Why am I always the bad cop? Why did Should I we take a to... poll? Do you want to take why a did... poll? Yeah. Why did I? Why do I always have to come back and 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 bring some levity to this to this situation and and some realness and say uh, it does come with a little bit of risk? But uh, of course, they came from my throat when I said it, and they go, "Of course, they were like, you're no Kirk Bowles," and I go, "Of course, I'm not." I'm not a legend, but I still got to be real. There's always got to be real. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, real serious, serious talk, though. They had to do it. They yeah. can't go into the SEC half stepping. They got to go in arrogant, like like they got to go in pretending they're uh, they're the UT baseball team, which doesn't have as many problems with SEC competition. Or, or or our guy Jared Elliott, who just runs over everybody. Where's Sark? Sark's taking care of the SEC teams he's played. So I'm um, you know, I I'm I'm on board for it, but I had to bring it up because it, it blew up in Texas AM's face when they gave Jumbo all that money. And I'm not saying it's gonna happen with Sark because I really believe that Steve Sarkeesian is the man for this job. And he's proven uh lead going forward that um, he is the absolute best choice to lead this program into the future. I believe that. I just I don't love guaranteed contracts. Uh, I understand it. It's the market. In fact, I argued with somebody at UT, and I wrote in nine things this week. I would have been, uh, I'd have preferred to give him eight million. Uh, that would have been a two point four million dollar raise. That's pretty Huge. healthy. That's pretty that's healthy. Kirk, that's Kirk Bowles' money there. Yeah. 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 Right. And uh, I just think, and somebody at UT, we got in discussion about it, and and he told me that, well, you know, because I wrote Saturday that Alabama probably would have made Sark his first choice uh, if they were been able to get him, but he didn't want to follow Sark. He didn't want to live in Tuscaloosa. He's building his own program here for all those. Didn't want, didn't want to follow Saban. Didn't want to follow Saban. And uh, and the person I was discussing it with said, all right, say Alabama, we pay Sark and give him this $8 million a year, as you suggest, or $10 million. Uh, but it wasn't guaranteed. And then Alabama comes along and says, well, we'll guarantee it. I go, I see your point. I see your point. That's that's the market value. I just think I would, as I wrote in Wednesday's paper, I would prefer an eight million, give him a two million national championship bonus if he wins it all, and uh, and don't make it all guaranteed and don't empty the bank because. But there is a shallow pool of candidates. I mean, if Sark, you know, for whatever reason, Jerry fires. Mike McCarthy today, and he's going out, and he said, you know, I'm going to hire Steve Sarkeesian. I want him to be my head coach. You know, so Texas is left holding the bag. It could happen any minute, you know. So I don't know. Who do you get? It's not like there's a 
there's a line of 20 guys that are capable and competent enough to be the coach at UT, is there? No. And 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 why? I mean, if you're CDC or Kevin L type, why take a risk that someone's going to poach your guy? Mm-hmm. That's the way they you look at it. went and pulled him out of the wilderness. I yep. mean, he was not guaranteed that he'd ever be a head coach again. You pulled him out of the wilderness. You saw something in him. Um, tough start, 5-7. But then he built this thing. He's won 20 out of his last 27 games and a conference title and a CFP appearance. And now that the CFP is going to 12 teams, He's got to finish in the top 12, get Texas in that tournament. And, mm-hmm. and the, the coffers are still going to be filling up. And so for me, I understand that you didn't want to risk it. I don't like, I don't like long-term marriages because by and large, they don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the fact that you did give him a raise. Um, he hasn't accomplished what the other two guys on that list, Kirby Smart and Dabo Swinney, have accomplished, uh, but there's potential. Those guys have produced, and Sark has potential to produce. 12-2 and two does not a career make, but it's a damn good start, and it's way better than anything we've been seeing over the last decade plus. Yeah, and and like I said, if, if he did leave, I don't know who you'd try to go, you know, pilfer, you know, maybe get Nick Saban try to come out of retirement. But- no. No, but Dabo's not leaving. Kirby's not leaving, and there's just not a plethora of coaches that are are proven to do that. So, uh, but yeah, and and you mentioned the twelve playoff team that spills into our next topic about the the CFP going to twelve teams, as you said, five and seven, the five highest ranked conference champions. Conference champions, yes. And the next seven highest-ranked uh, teams get at-large bids. So they switched from the 6-6 six and six after the Pac-12 uh, went bye-bye. So are you on board with the 5-7 format? Absolutely. I, I like it. I like it. The five highest-rated conference champions are going to come from the big dog conference. We know sure. that. And so, uh, and that and that leaves ample ample room for the runner-ups in the conference title games, and the that that rare third team that just might have gotten edged out. So, it's going to be largely dominated by what we call Power Five schools, uh, but there's going to be room for other schools that are making a run. The group, what do we call them now? Group of five, Doug. So the group of five is almost guaranteed that fifth spot. They're going to get that fifth spot, but Pac-12 doesn't exist. It's going, it's going, it's going to be mostly the big dogs dominating. And personally, that's what I want anyway. I like a good underdog story, uh, just as much as the next guy does. But uh, college football is the most fun when the big dogs are barking, and the big dogs are going to be barking in the twelve-team CFP, and. Let me tell you something. The teams that don't make that 12-team CFP, the coach is going to be under immense mm-hmm. pressure because pressure. you don't have to be top four anymore. If you if, if you can't get the top 12 and you're making exorbitant money, uh, your, your feet are going to be held to that CFP fire. 
I figured up, I went back and looked uh, at the 10-year history of the CFP, and the SEC would have gotten four teams in four uh, of the last six years. They would have gotten four. And the other, one of the other two, when they didn't, they would have gotten three. So I think they can probably count on a minimum of three and, and probably four. One thing I worry about is that, okay, they don't want that extra loss in there. So that's temptation to stay with the week, week and week scheduling. I we, hate it. It's bad for the game. It's bad for the players. CDC insists the they're going to continue. CDC is going to. They're going to continue to 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 play tough schedules. Um, and they will. But, you know, but a Michigan loss could hurt them. Could hurt mm-hmm, their twelve sure. team. Their twelve team cause, and so. Those are the kind of things that you have to consider. I applaud the schedule makers over there for scheduling Michigan and Ohio State's coming in at the end of the decade, uh, I believe. And so those kind of things excite me as a sports fan. But but how are you going to feel, Doc? And I'm just being devil's advocate here. Don't say I, I don't like it, but I'm just bringing it up. How do you feel if you lose to Michigan and a team that you know you're better than played Abilene Christian and beat them 74 to nothing. And who really gives a rat, you know what, about beating up on a on a, on a team that's not even D1. But that but that's a win. And and you got you've got two or three losses, uh, two of them in conference and one at the big house. And this other team doesn't have that loss, and they've got one fewer loss than you, and they play the cupcake. Then you may have to to readdress and reconsider how you're scheduling these people. Well, I I applaud it. The next four years, they have two with Michigan, two with Ohio State. And and you and I both know Texas does not get in this past year without that win in Alabama. That's Absolutely. That's separated. And if they hadn't scheduled or beaten Alabama, Georgia gets that fourth spot or Florida State gets that fourth spot. I'm sure it would probably be Florida State and Georgia still would have been left out. So I think you need to – the trouble is if they keep the eight conference games versus nine, it's just going to encourage the most of them to schedule. You know, they got to schedule one power five in that, but that could be anybody, you know. But then you, but then you, but then you, but then you schedule Swanee State. I mean I – mean, Well, a lot of them. They'll, they'll, McNeese State and Mercer and so you on. Know, not- and I've had this conversation with a couple of buddies in the in the radio business, um, and they go, "It's just over the years said it's just different in this conference." Yeah, you know what? Football is football, and you and and quit pretending that the SEC is a is is a minefield from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I've seen Vanderbilt. Sure, not impressed. South Carolina's not impressed. been down. I've seen South Carolina been down. Mississippi State, Stark Vegas, not rocking right now. Arkansas was terrible last year. So so it's not a minefield from top to bottom. Florida is not Florida from the Steve Spurrier days. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not Florida from the Urban Meyer days. No, it's, it's in Tennessee. Those are big names that haven't they ain't moved Denver. the needle in a while, Doug. They haven't moved that needle. Huh? So – uh, you're telling me, I mean, if I'm Sarkeesian, I'm going, okay, I, I know Alabama is Alabama. I know LSU is on the way up. They're back. 
Nussmeyer is going to be good next year, Doug. I've been watching him. Um, I know, I know that Aggie is got is got a that game circled in red ink, and and I know Kirby Smart is Kirby Smart, but the rest of it, it's competition. It's competition. Texas ain't scared of anybody in that league because mm-hmm. they beat Alabama, they beat Georgia, and they and they were better. in a fourth of seventeen, well, fourth of seventeen of possibly upsetting LSU which was a an NFL football team playing at sure. DKR though. So perfect record. So you can't you can't tell me that the Longhorns are going to go in there sheepish. They're going in there mm-hmm. with arrogance, bravado, confidence and a head coach who told mm-hmm. us 3 weeks ago that he's obsessed, borderline obsessed mm-hmm. with winning. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Oh yeah. Coming from Steve Sarkeesian. And he got his mm-hmm. bag. So he's ready to roll. He needs to be. One thing I'm not wild about is the buys that the first four teams get. It's such an advantage. It's a huge advantage over the other teams. Now, now Texas, if this had been in place this past year, Texas would have gotten a buy. And then oh, yeah. in the quarterfinals, they would have played the winner of Georgia and uh, Ole Miss. And that's all sexy, you know. But uh, and the other good thing is that the, the four conference champions – uh, would probably be the ones they always get the buy, and Notre Dame can't get a buy, and, and so they're not uh, a conference champion. Not a conference champion, so maybe that puts oh, some so pressure. Wait, on wait, them. the way the way it's set up, Duck. Um, Notre Dame can never be top five. I don't think they can be top four uh, because they they can't be a conference champion. Man, so. that's a. That's a can of worms right there. Oh, it is. It is. Be, thank, be, be thankful they're crappy. Yeah, people could say, "Well, <laughs> join a conference, and then you don't have that problem." So, yeah, and then the I other thing join, too, you should join the ACC. Join the ACC. Yeah. Why not? Oh, I know. Well, they'd probably they'd join play that schedule. Maybe the ACC or the Big Ten, probably. So, but I thought that would be interesting. The other thing they got to decide is how to distribute the revenue which goes back to what we talked with Keith and giving the student athletes a share of the $8 billion over the next six years. So lot, lots of dollars, lots of dollars. That's more, that's more Kirk Bowles money right there. Hey, stop it. That's, stop gen, it. that's, genera- that's generational Bowles right there. That's that's some Leon Bowles let's, money uh, right there. Let's put a bow on, on this with the basketball. You were at the oh, K-State oops. Monday. Had to have it. They had to have didn't it. Didn't look that good all the sixty-two fifty-six. They didn't play well, Kirk. They just oh. did not play well. What is it about that that beautiful Moody Center where all you know the the first year they were they were gold at the Moody, mm-hmm. and now they can't make shots. And man, it, it was it was it was horrible. I, and I tweeted at one point. I go, these Rams are going to sue. They're going to be charged with assault. These shooters are just beating these rims, smithereens. Just awful. You're both, and what, 36%, 34%? from the field. Uh, that's not going to cut Pretty it. Weak. That's not going to cut it in Lawrence, and it ain't going to cut it in Lubbock. Yeah. And I know it ain't cut it in Waco. So, I I don't know. I don't know, Duck. They they got that win. They're 6-7. They're and seven. They go to Kansas Saturday. I think they got to win. They got to. They got to spring one of these upsets to, for fans to feel really good about them getting into this mm-hmm. thing. They still got to play Oklahoma State, who they'll beat. Uh, who else they got? They got, they got five Oklahoma. left. They've only got Oklahoma. two more games left. 
two and that's that's the Oklahoma schools, right? Or is it? Yeah, yeah, the Oklahoma schools, right? So they got to win the two home games. I Duck, I'm telling you, they play better on the road, and they can go into Kansas and win. This is not. This is this is not the Kansas of old. Um, still pretty they'll, they'll be ready. They'll be ready. But uh, better, better, better Kansas teams than this one have lost to Texas. The Shaka went in there and won by twenty five four years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, but what a better team than this one? Um, I don't know that. I, I I love me some Dylan DeSue. How can you not? Awesome. How can you not? Uh, but when your second guy is five nine, five ten, they can take him away. The guards mm-hmm. in this conference are so big, so physical. You saw what Houston did to them, and uh, it it worries me that when on those nights that Max Asmus isn't isn't playing well and he hasn't shot it well for a while now, Doug. Since going back to that, that's in the first game, half. He's had two bad had, first halves. Yeah, he's had some bad halves. It worries me that Tyrese Hunter. Or, or or one of those other guys not going to be able to pick up the slack. Um, you know, I.T. Gordon played pretty well. He had a couple threes that kept him up against K-State. So they've got some guys that are trying to step up. Brock Cunningham's played pretty well lately off the bench. Uh, but I, it just feels like a one-man game. And uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Mitchell goes away far too often. He's got to figure out how to get his – if he can get his mid-range game going – and I'm saying right now he has no business leaving after this season. He's no. he needs to come back for a junior year and figure out how to hit that turnaround twelve to fifteen footer. That pull up his pull up game just needs work. You can't live on dunks. You cannot live on dunks because at the next. I mean, he's put back. Put back some dunks. Yeah, that's it. If, if it's not around the rim, he's not scoring. He's way so. more of an athlete than he is a technician, and he's got to he's got to work on his game. He's got to work on his the, game. Said if you look at the mock draft in the NBA, there's not an NBA player on Texas roster. You no, know, nobody's listed. The Bears got a couple. You know, Houston, Kansas got a couple. You know, a lot of other players. You know, listed as NBA prospects. So. I don't know. I, you, I think you lose, those, guys. You lose those you lose those recruit stuff. When you lose no, those guys, that could be one and done. And you don't and you and you and you can't replace them with with marquee talent. And you know, Max they brought in Max and Max has been fine, but uh to lose Holland and who's the other one, Doc? I can't even remember his name, but um to lose those guys, um, to me just um that's hard to come back from. Well, it's good that Adam Silver said they may uh, dispense with the uh, Ignite team, the G League Ignite team, because NIL has kind of accomplished that for them, for players yeah. that didn't want to go to college because they weren't getting any money. So, you know, and I think, I don't know if the G League Ignite team has been a failure or not. I, I, one time they were like 6-31. and 31. Uh, You know, you got a mixture of grown men and 17- or 18-year-olds and Playing, playing on the road and not living at home, and you know it, it's tough environment. So it'd be nice if they if that went away because that means more talent in college ranks. Which which yeah. I, I, would, I know Rodney Terry would appreciate that. Wish he was in place last year. Well, you so. look at the very top. You look at the top of the rankings, Doug. Old basketball players win. 
Always, always. Those teams are old. UConn no is players old. with guards. Houston is old. Purdue yep. is old. Those teams have juniors and seniors mm-hmm. that are. And that Zach Eddy is he a senior? Duck the Purdue the big guy. Is he a, yeah. Is he a senior? Yeah, I, or a he junior? may be a junior. I'm not sure, but he's you not. Know, this guys, where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah. They don't play center anymore yeah. in the league. Not Wimby maybe. is not a he is not a center. Mm-hmm. He's bringing he's the ball forward. down. He's shooting threes. He's passing. He's playmaking. He mm-hmm. just happens to be seven five or seven three. I'm telling you, Duck. There's nowhere like uh, Edie might go somewhere. He may have to go to Europe to play ball. I don't know, but there aren't many guys like that. So what's happening is the big guys are staying longer. Yeah, and. And old guys stay longer. Jamal Shedd is not listed as a lottery pick, and we mm-hmm. know he's a baller. He's a great college player, and so he good for college basketball. Good for college basketball. And Kelvin Sampson came out and said, "And I don't know what you guys are watching. He's the best point guard in in, in college basketball, and how he's not getting accolades. He is. Mm-hmm. He absolutely is. He delivers for his team every night. Never and not. so I don't, I don't, I don't understand why he's not." Why he's not getting those kind of accolades, but I'm glad that he's playing college ball because he's been a pleasure to watch, especially in this first season of the Big 12. I've seen more of Jamal in the last uh, month than I did in three other years in college. He should be the Big 12 Player of the Year, in my opinion. He's been that solid, that consistent. You know, who, would you, who else would you give it to? I um, well, I can't believe they left him off the wooden finalist list. L.J. Cryer's teammate is the former Baylor guard, but. Jamal Shedd makes it. LJ, LJ Cryer would be the first to tell you that Jamal Shedd's better. Than oh, yeah. No question about it. So Without without Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer's not nearly as good because he mm-hmm. he puts LJ Cryer in positions to be successful. He is yeah. the maestro. He's the conductor of that orchestra. They are very good. Uh, I know we're going to be filling out brackets in about a month, Doug. I'm, they're a Final Four team. To me, I may have them winning it all. No, I think I already do, depending on their matchup. And they got a chance to play in the regional in Dallas. So uh, that can help them get to the final four, too. So, but we're coming down the home stretch. It's going to be interesting. And uh, we'll be here to talk about it. Well, Duck, it's been a pleasure. 326 in the books all over UT baseball with Longhorn legend Keith Moreland. We hit on the Sark windfall, we hit on college football playoffs. Going for the five seven and Longhorn basketball big game at Kansas on Saturday. That's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate a special shout out to Miss Millie who I met at uh, Luby's. Duck, she is an avid listener of On Second Thought. She and her husband, and they've been awesome. they've been Longhorn fans. Uh, their Texas X has been around forever. And uh, they don't miss an episode. We need people like Miss Millie. We appreciate you. That'll do it for this episode. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. For the Duck, I'm Seth Golden. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, 
human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.